This is the Dreadful Podcast from TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Lovecraft Country Season 1, Episode 7. I am. We are here because we did not believe them when they told us our rage was not ladylike. We did not believe them when they said our violence goes too far. We did not believe them when they said the hatred that we feel for our enemies is not godlike. They say that to women like us because they know what happens when we are free. Free to hate when we must. Free to kill when we must. Free to bring destruction when we must. That is our freedom. That is our prayer. No matter what they think of us after we grind them into the dust, that is our love! Welcome back to the Dreadful Podcast, fellow Dreadfuls. This is episode 7 of season 1 of Lovecraft Country, where we are discussing the episode I Am. I am one of your hosts, John. I am one of your other hosts, Derek. (laughs) And my mind is blown for this episode <laughs> yeah yeah this was a this is a fun one uh, this should be a good chat about uh, about episode seven of lovecraft country because uh, there's some great stuff in here it's so laden with references that i'm sure we missed loads of them as well yeah i searched for one of the speeches through this episode um it was it sounded like it was james baldwin again mm-hmm. um uh, as we heard in uh, episode one mm-hmm. but I, I just couldn't find any reference to it at all. So, yeah. um, look, we'll come to it anyway when we do in our discussion, our spoiler-filled discussion mm-hmm. of this week's episode of Lovecraft Country. And um, so, when we do, I'll certainly be asking any of our listeners who maybe know the reference. Uh, it would be great. It, it sounded very interesting. I kind of wanted to hear the the whole thing but yeah. yeah we'll we'll come to that I, in due course absolutely i feel like as soon as we finish recording we'll be able to search it and find it on the internet but just couldn't find it before we uh, before we started but excellent stuff uh, in this episode before we get into our discussion of episode seven uh, we did get another review over on uh, apple podcasts which is awesome thanks so much uh, to love bliss joy who left us a five-star review over on uh, apple Podcasts in the uk um love bliss joy says i think these two guys john and derek are brilliant we love craft country a lot of sense comments and also very informative as well as a bit of humor thrown in one of the best podcasts around greetings from liverpool ynwa is the side off from love bless joy that's uh you'll never walk alone isn't it it certainly is yes the the famous song that is sung uh, around anfield which is the home of liverpool football club yes interesting that's uh, that's only a couple of miles from your home your it certainly home. is well i'm a part-time supporter mm-hmm. i i can't say i'm a massive soccer fan yeah. but um i do follow liverpool football club yeah. my father was an evertonian Ooh. so of course uh, the rivalry ensues within the home <laughs> uh, or it did as, as kids yeah. um, because yes myself and my brother 
Um, I think just purely to be the opposite of my dad mm-hmm. um, were Liverpool supporters. Always happens. Always yeah. happens. All my brothers hate uh, Arsenal because uh, my dad was an Arsenal supporter. <laughs> but anyway, this is not a football podcast. So thanks so much for that for that feedback. Love this, Joy. If you want to leave a piece of feedback like that, a little uh, review for us over on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you can leave reviews, uh, follow us on TV Podcast Industries or The Dreadful Podcast from TV Podcast Industries where we're covering Lovecraft Country. We'd love to get a few reviews up uh, about our podcast because yeah. we're getting some really good listeners, getting really, really good feedback. About Absolutely. It. The feedback's really been very, very good, it, like really thoughtful, really thought provoking. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's great getting those views. And you can send in your feedback to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. We'll read it out on the podcast in our feedback section. You mm-hmm. can also go over to our Twitter handle at tvpodindustries. And finally, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. And of course, as Derek was saying previously, um, please subscribe to the podcast over on any good or evil podcast catcher, uh, podcast player of your choice. Yet, yeah, please support the podcast because supporting the podcast is spreading the love, uh, as go. we say. And of course, raters, leave a review. Any support for the podcast is really uh, very much appreciated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's get into our discussion about episode seven. Lots to talk about this time. Uh, first up, the episode was directed by Charlotte Sealing. Um, she's directed episodes of tons of TV shows from Wayward Pines and The Strain, which are much more kind of horror themed, all the way to Homeland quite recently. She directed two episodes of Homeland, one in season four and one in season seven so uh, has been around quite a long time directing good tv yeah good spread of experience there mm-hmm. yeah different uh, genres yeah uh, the episode itself the teleplay was written by misha green the showrunner and shannon houston uh, shannon houston is the co-host of the official lovecraft country podcast which is a really interesting listen every week loads of stuff i would never pick up on the episodes without listening to uh, to their podcast so that comes out just after the episodes air as well just like ours so if you're listening to just our podcast definitely go listen to theirs as well uh, because it's really interesting having the behind the scenes kind of look from Shannon Houston on each of the episodes so really interesting stuff John I think we're going to have to have a summary for this episode because it's so complex let's see how we did on putting it together with your synopsis for season 1 episode 7 of Lovecraft Country I am sure after going to Autumn County Hippolyta's journey of discovery continues through time and space after unlocking the secret of Hiram's orrery. Elsewhere, Atticus and his father's relationship hits a new low as he encounters Montrose and Sammy at his dad's flat while looking for information about his mother's side of the family. As Tick attempts to track down the Book of Names in St. Louis, he is warned by Letty that Hippolyta has the orrery and could be in danger. At a space observatory in Kansas, Hippolyta activates the device, just as members of Captain Lancaster's police have her at gunpoint. Atticus arrives to help his aunt, but during the fight with the cops, a rip in space and time opens up, and both Tick and Hippolyta are flung through the tear. From the Kansas observatory to a high-tech cell with the being I am, Hippolyta is then teleported to Paris to dance with Josephine Baker. From there, Hippolyta travels onwards to ancestral Africa with Confederate soldiers and further into the sci-fi world of her daughter's comics with her dead husband, George. Her odyssey through multiple worlds is transformative and empowering as she learns about her thoughts, her feelings, her desires, and ultimately who she is and what freedom means. 
Back in Kansas, Atticus is flung back out of the tur and into the observatory, carrying a book written by George Freeman. But where has he come from, and what has he seen? That's a great synopsis of the episode, I think. Uh, that, that does put together a lot of the uh, interesting strands and strains that were going on throughout this episode. Uh, this was fascinating. This this made me feel, you know, every episode so far this season has been so different. You don't know what you're going to get as you come into the episode. And this one made me feel, I wonder, is there some people coming in wondering what the hell is going on and still confused? Because that can turn people off sometimes when you're watching an episode, even knowing there's only an hour there to watch. Some people will turn off 20 minutes in going, I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> oh, yeah. This was, this was a bit of a, a brain melt, to be honest, mm-hmm. uh, from my side. It, it was good to rewatch the episode a second time just yeah. to kind of really absorb everything here because, yeah, we are taken on that journey with Hippolyta. And my goodness, it is... Um, it's just so, so good. Um, I love these kind of stories and I, I really like the fact that, you know, horror and sci-fi, it tells stories that just aren't told or can't be told in that way yeah. through other mediums and, or a, a much grander sort of overarching kind of look at those themes, which are maybe played out in a more realistic story on a smaller scale like the family i i mm-hmm. think as well you know something like science fiction writing and horror writing certainly in 40s 50s 60s and um, the the time where i really enjoy that kind of um sci-fi mm-hmm. really did touch on themes that um I think meant they were read in that pulp way by a lot more people. And I don't think it was always understood by the consumers of that material. Some of the themes um, that were being discussed openly. I think the classic example for me is um, a book called Forever War. Mm. And that really effectively is the Vietnam War out in space. And it takes the, the soldiers so long to travel to... And um, this this planet um, so far away from Earth and back again that the humans on Earth, th- this this war means nothing to them. Right. Um, and that they have no conceptual understanding of the sacrifices and the, the blood being shared mm-hmm. in their name so far away. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a really really great um, science fiction novel. Yeah, and that's a great way to tell of the experiences that the author had when he was in Vietnam, something like the Forever War, that, that kind of storyline sense. Yeah, really the, interesting. Yeah, the author's Joe Hadleman, um, and yeah, I mean, he did a whole series of, of these, and it was really, really interesting. And yeah. I think in, in the same way that, you know, science fiction has talked about effectively g- genetic engineering or, or for society, or, mm-hmm. or even the, you know, the dark side of eugenics, whether it's the dark side of politics, uh, whether it's uh, the use of drugs, you know, particularly someone like, say, Philip K. Dick, mm-hmm. um, and but also uh, in in terms of, of race as well, you know, you, yeah. you think of Star Trek to some degree, yeah. and and what that sort of showed in terms of meeting um, different beings from other worlds, mm-hmm. this diversity in, in outer space, I suppose. Absolutely. Uh, really interesting as, as much as the diversity that they had on the bridge of uh, the Enterprise. Yeah, exactly. But we're also uh, both people, one, one of us from the UK, one of us from Ireland, 
we clearly can't talk about this episode without talking about Doctor Who and the ability that having a character traveling through time and space gave them the ability to talk about things that wouldn't normally be talked about on the BBC over the course of the 55 year history of that show. You know, that show continues to be able to reinvent itself. I think, in fact, only last season that episode talked about Rosa Parks and her uh, contribution to the the right struggle in the US. Um, Being able to tell those stories is really a function of time traveling sci fi. And I love that they've incorporated into this show. And it's not a story about history. It's a story about Hippolyta finding herself in this episode. Yeah, exactly. What a great use of of this mechanism that to save George, uh, George Freeman. Her yeah, husband, absolutely. You know? It seemed like that opening scene was them at the house, her going, right, I'm going to definitely get this working so I can save him. But, um, but let's get into our discussion about the episode a bit more, a bit more in detail. John, what do you want to talk about in this episode? Well, it is that it's Hippolyta's journey of, uh, self discovery, mm. really. Um, and I, I think that it may not have started out in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was a way possibly, to I think part of it was her own curiosity around the device and her love of the stars yeah. and astrology, but also I think part of it could have been she just maybe wondered what could this machine do that could impact George and finding out the truth about George. Mm-hmm. I, I actually thought it was more she was going to she wanted to try and find out the truth about George with it, right. maybe get him back once that had clicked with her. Okay, um, yeah, if yeah. she thought that could be done, yeah. um, and and in effect she does uh, in in, in this episode in, in a way, um, and I, I suppose this whole thing of Hippolyta's journey is that it's not just timey wimey. Mm-hmm. It is in the grand tradition of uh, multiple. Uh, worlds it like in the marvel universe with the multiverse mm. that there are numerous different worlds where different things are playing out yeah. that that relativity of um the same person living out different lives yeah, in different places and, yeah. in, and in different places yeah, and i was trying to work out that the second time i saw the episode i noticed that what she'd seen at um at the lodge at Ar- Ardham lodge when she goes is this kind of plaque it's a piece of mural that has multiple lines at varying different degrees and that's what she connects back to this orrery that she's stolen a few episodes before so this is an interpretation of the multiple worlds theory that all of these things are on a similar path but they're slightly at yeah. different angles they're slightly exactly it was a semicircle it was almost like a protractor yeah um, and she recognizes this she also finds out and you know she's absolutely certain then that george was at the the lodge there in autumn county she sees her daughter's comic book a scrap of one of the pages yeah but uh, i i think with with what hippolyta goes through here and we have to say that straight off the bat is that tick presumably Atticus, presumably also goes through something similar maybe mm-hmm. not in the same way as Hippolyta, but he is also flung through this, this tur, um, in time, in space, at least, mm-hmm. um, that she has generated by activating this observatory in Kansas. Yes. And I suppose the other great reference about Kansas is with Dorothy and her trip to the, um, the Emerald City yes. and the Yellow Brick Road. Yeah, Although it took me ages, the the long, longitude and latitudes that keep coming up throughout the episode, I checked every one of them. Most of them, if they are on Earth, they're in the middle of the ocean. But the only one that is definitely a place is the first one that she follows from the orrery itself 
she follows to Kansas, and that's where this observatory is based, effectively, in, in the TV show. Not in real life. You can't go and see that observatory, yeah. as far as I know. But they're messing with me. They've just made me spend about half an hour looking up longitude and latitude. So either I don't know how to read longitude and latitude, or none of them are places on Earth. <laughs> well, I, it, it's not to say that they're not longitude and latitude. Mm. It is... You know, longitude, latitude, and time. Mm-hmm. I think you, you've got the three coordinates there of time and space. Yeah. But it's in a different world. So it has no bearing on the world that we know, mm. technically, I technically. think. I think that's what it is. And that's why yeah. putting them into... So, for example, for for the first t- teleportation that Hippolyta does, where she ends up in Paris... And obviously, everyone knows Paris is in France, roughly where that is. Yeah. It's in the Northern Hemisphere. You put in the coordinates, and it, it the, the coordinates are actually for the Labrador Sea mm-hmm. off the east coast of Canada uh, and the west coast of Greenland, yeah. there, the, 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 the current, the Labrador current there yeah. in the Atlantic. So It did make me speculate whether they were just saying Hippolyta's at sea until she returns home. She's well, going could through a be. change, you know, but this is totally me reading into stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it, it certainly could be. And there's so much other stuff in the episode. Definitely disregard the stuff that makes no sense to you and focus on the real story that's going on, I think, as, as well. I fed for this episode. Yeah. Just we'll get through the get through the general details of the show because it is really well written, really well put together. I'm sure, as I said, before i'm sure the stuff we've missed but certainly hippolyta's story here is cool i i I think it is it's i i really really loved this the experiences that she has here they Mm -hmm. they were uh, in part funny and really sort of weird Mm -hmm. and also just really moving to see someone connect about herself to her past life and then what she has done in these other worlds yeah. I thought was really moving I thought it I thought it was really just great empowerment and, and that transformation of her understanding like the the the, the whole trip you know she, she goes to Paris where she's um dancing with uh, Josephine Baker and mm-hmm. um, which is thing. fantastic yeah. and for me, I, I just love the awkwardness of when she arrives. She's mm-hmm. there on stage. She hasn't got the dance moves at all going on. She certainly doesn't know to rip off the, um, the, the, the bra for the finale of that dance move. Yeah. And, you know, you can see all the French girls really <laughs> complaining about her. I love that. All um, the Americans come here and ruin art, make us all look unprofessional. <laughs> but I, I loved her. Uh, that kind of fish out of water where she's just kind of stumbling on the stage, trying to keep up with the, the moves mm-hmm. kind of in a, in effect sort of, you know, shrug her shoulders because it's like, I can't do. And then yeah. the, uh, the look on Hippolyta's face when she realizes that there is a, you know, a semi naked, uh, off with the bra, mm-hmm. uh, finale, uh, the big climax to, to the, the dance number yeah. in Paris was just, um, so, Good. I, I love. I, I was chuckling away to myself Absolutely. with um, uh, Hippolyta's reactions to all of this. Thought it was really nicely done. But I love that she lives out the dream, though, in a sense. Yeah, you know, she's, exactly. She's had this moment where she's with this being in another planet, effectively, who says to her, "Where do you want to be? What's the one place you could, you wanted? If you wanted to go somewhere, where would you go?" She almost instantly calls out, "Just going to dance with Josephine Baker in Paris." And she lives out the dream. She has Josephine Baker connect eyes with her early on in this dance sequence. And afterwards, when all the other girls are criticizing her performance, 
Baker teaches her the moves. She has that moment. So, you know, for me, if you had a moment where I could go anywhere in the world, it would be, I'd love to be, you know, on stage with Prince and his band and having him afterwards instruct me in how to join the band. Like, that's the absolute dream of someone that's a fan like that, you know? Yeah, Josephine Baker is most well known as being one of the first and one of the most famous black performers in the world. Uh, she traveled the world. She moved to Paris, uh, worked in, and danced there for years and became worldwide famous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this, I love this idea that this is an inspiration for Hippolyta and that's the first place she wants to go. She's a real thinking character, Hippolyta. Yeah, she's, she's great. She has such a journey that she goes on. I said story earlier on. It's not a story. It's a journey that she's going on uh, throughout this episode. It's a really good uh, way you put it earlier on, John. You know, um, this is her journey that she has to go through to find who she should be if, if the rest of the world hadn't interrupted her. In the same way we had with Ruby a couple of episodes ago, this is what happened to her when she got interrupted. She lost all of her ability to follow her dreams and her goals exactly and uh, you know Hippolyta is a clever lady so uh, the the nuance of what she's experiencing isn't lost and I think Mm -hmm. there's a few things I've I've just found I I thought they were so uh, meaningful they really kind of got under my skin Um, I'm really kind of uh, connected I suppose in many respects but we, we do have to kind of start off is that the moment that she is ripped through this this tear um, she is separated from Atticus, mm-hmm. uh, and she ends up on a planet somewhere, uh, with, and with, with robots escorting her to what seems to be a cell. And I, mm-hmm. I love the black lady robot with the afro hair. I thought it was amazing. Oh, absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, all the time here, Hippolyta thinks she is a prisoner. She's, she's looking to try and escape. Uh, and the, this, this, um, robot lady says, you're not a prisoner. Where do you want to be? Who do you want to be? And effectively, it's that she can go anywhere she wants from this location. And mm-hmm. um, depending on her desires, her thoughts, you know, her feelings of, of who she wants to be and, and where she wants to be. And I, you know, it ends up first off, um, you know, off she goes, I suppose, to, to Paris with yeah. Josephine Baker. But there's a real nice moment uh, just before she uh, jumps again. And it's that melancholy of her where she um, says, I thought I had everything I I wanted. Yeah. Um, it's just that the white folk found a smart way of lynching me without me noticing. Mm. Um, you know, they had me be exactly what they wanted me to be. She thought she had everything until she, she came here. I, I hate they made me feel small, yeah. these dreams. And I, I just thought that was really poignant. I mm-hmm. thought that was so um, well uh, delivered. And I have to say, Ingenue Ellis, um, oh, wow, she's just phenomenal in, in this episode. Um, it's I such a strong absolutely thing. adore her. Yeah. I think at, at this moment, I, I've had Ruby, who is my personal hero, and I think Hippolyta is here uh, for me. I, I loved this this journey absolutely i totally agree with you john you know we saw with uh as you mentioned ruby played by one Misaku. uh we saw with jamie chung as jaya and we've seen all throughout the season we've seen this amazing performance from journey smollett as letty the women on this show the casting of all of them has been so strong that each one of them has carried their roles 
so well it they are just each week we get a new story with a fantastic female actor in this show that's really carrying their role and carrying a full episode you know i don't want to certainly not criticizing anjani ellis for the previous performance that she's had but you wouldn't think from the lines that she was given throughout the season so far that this was the character you were going to see and you see the reason why in this episode you see the whole reason is her character that she was playing all the way along is effectively the character that Hippolyta has had to portray her whole life. And that's why she's melted in the background. That's why she's been the caring aunt, the nice mother, you know, the one that's sitting at home crying over her lost love. You know, that's all that she's been given. The reason for that is because she had all of this going for her in episode seven. Well, this voyage of discovery that she goes on. Well, I I think that's to the the conversation with Josephine Baker at the bar. Mm -hmm. You know, she was publishing this, this travel companion for black people in America. America, yeah. um, to go to you know safe places and um, sh- they had a successful business yeah. they had a, a good home mm-hmm. um, and it it's because that was what they thought they wanted and yeah. what they needed and in fact it's the box you're put in and you, I think you can extrapolate that to a lot of people that you know if, if you end up going through these routines were um that you're just on this cycle of going to the shops, guessing, going to bed, guessing up, mm-hmm. doing all of this work nine to five or work becomes to take over your life. And, yeah. and it's like, you know, how free are you? And I, I think it's, I, I think what Hippolyta is encompassing here is more than just that, but it also includes that. Yeah. It includes that. It also includes the fact that she is being put down and kept small by the society, you know, in 1950s America that she lives in because of the racism and the prejudice and the bias. Mm. But it doesn't just stop there. I think there's a really another great moment um, of her and George um, Mm. in bed. Absolutely. And, you know, she doesn't let George off the hook here. She says, you stood by and let me shrink myself. You know, I tried to name something. I can name anything um, I want to myself, and, and I, w- I can become that. Mm-hmm. You know, she's explaining um, these multi-world equations, I think the May equations to George, yeah. who's kind of just woken up. So I think <laughs> I, I would be a little sort of dazed and confused. She's like, oh, remember that time I talked to you about the multiverse theory? He's I, like, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, I tried to name something, which is the meteorite, which was prevented for her. Yeah, because- it was taken away because she was black and given to the daughter of another astronomer in Europe because she well, was we can't, white. We can't allow this black girl to, exactly. have the, to name the star, you know? And she, easier, sorry. You know, and so I tried to name something and after that I shrank and you stood by and let me shrink myself. Mm-hmm. You didn't do anything to stop that. So you know, she doesn't even let uh, George off the hook, even though you can tell she's really happy to be lying back next to him in yeah. bed. There's a moment where she realizes she can't leave, I think, any stone unturned ar- around this uh, idea uh, of 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 freedom and well, I, I just thought it was really spectacular yeah. she has another great sort of rallying cry as a leader in it it it, it looks like um a, an african village mm. somewhere certainly the architecture of the buildings look looked like that but yeah. i could be totally mistaken yeah. um and again I, the, the weirdness that she's 
effectively almost like in a gladiatorial circle. Mm-hmm. She eventually overcomes it. You can see the time coordinate ticking by yeah. as um, she learns and learns and learns until she's able to take down um, effectively her teacher and mm-hmm. get this special helmet to lead the the troops. And you see Seemed them like the Spartans. Yeah, it, it, it almost looks like, like Spartans then. But then this you, is Hippolyta. Exactly. <laughs> but then the people coming towards her are Confederate soldiers. Yeah. Uh, so this was just really wacky. Multiverse. Remember? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Multiverse. And it plays into what she wants. Mm-hmm. And how she wants to see herself. So, in a sense, I, I, I in in the summary, I called it ancestral Africa. And that's yeah. something that she is connecting with. At the same time, in the bar with Josephine Baker, she says about how she has thoughts of killing um, white people. Yeah. And I think here in this moment, the, those white people are given um, that it, it's that special. It's the Confederate soldiers, it, it, the representation of the Confederacy mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. Or at least I could be overthinking it. But look, it's it's the way I'm kind of I, I view it. And, you know, she again, she has another really inspiring um speech yeah. that um after she kills this first wave of, of soldiers you know they don't want us to be free whether it's free to kill or free to live yeah. um or, or free to love yeah. um and Fine. then she transports again after that next to to george and mm-hmm. i just thought this was absolutely top class uh a star storytelling and um, just it, it, loved every bit of it and one of the elements that i loved about that trip to see george that that travel through you know these are all her choices of discovery as you say john she's not going to leave any stone unturned uh to get to the point of learning who is hippolyta when she has no constraints when she has that full freedom and i love that moment with george when he looks at her and goes you've done all of this and you still chose to say you are george freeman's wife and she just kind of looks back with him and kind of a, and, oh, no, honey, you don't understand what this is. This is me coming to tell you. Yes, okay, I love you, absolutely. But this is me coming to tell you what you've also aided in, in exactly. my restriction and my shrinking. You are also one of the people that's responsible for it. Yes, I love you, but you also allowed me to shrink knowing how big of a person I am, knowing how much of the world I was willing to explore before meeting you. You made me the mother of your daughter and your wife, and the person who ran your business. I was an explorer. I was an explorer, and you made me stay at home while you did the exploration. And he agrees and says, that was to keep you safe. I thought it was, I thought it was just my, me doing my duty, but that was to keep you safe. And I love that this is playing on a little touch early on when she's driving in Woody the car, going off on this adventure on her own at the beginning of the episode. You see the biker that drives by, and you see how much enjoyment... Hippolyta has yeah, at seeing absolutely. the rest of the world on her own, just on this journey, just a quick scene in the car. And it's so important for this character. And that, you know, in that moment, her and George hold hands and she takes them both off into this lovely, trippy sci-fi world yeah. um, that her daughter has created yeah. with with the comic book. I um, love that because, you yeah, know, really good. For a moment, I suppose you, you've we've gone through this few multiverse ideas, you know, and I, I suppose the the central theory of the multiverse concept is that there are infinite universes of infinite styles of infinite ways 
and she's found a way to traverse through all of them. So what's happening here is she found a way to traverse into the universe that her daughter created in yeah. her comic books because she has the purple hair, just like the character that Dee has drawn exactly like her adventurer mother, effectively. Um, I love that. And, you know, the, the ticking clock is really important. The, the coordinates come up and then you see the clock tick and they come back up and the clock ticks again, effectively, uh, moving on, showing that she spends time in each of these different places. She actually does spend quite a long time with George in this universe that her daughter created, effectively. So it's really interesting. This was the choice she made at the end of this journey is I can absolutely be all of these things. I can choose who I am. I can choose how to represent myself. And she is told by this being, this I am character, she's told, we can accept you here. You you can just remove those things from yours, those those things that allowed you to travel through all of these dimensions, all of these universes, exploring who you are. You can remove those, become part of us. You will never be able to go back to Earth, or you can go back to Earth exactly as you were beforehand with all of this knowledge, effectively. And she says, well, D needs me. And so even though she had gone through the journey of discovery of who she is, she still knows she's all of that and also a mother, which is really important for her character. Again, again, another lovely character beat. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, as well in, in this moment, we, we get another speech here, but it's not by Hippolyta. It, it's, a, it's a narration. And this is the one where I wondered whether it was James Baldwin. Mm. I, I wondered whether it was possibly Malcolm X. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really... Um, I'm not entirely sure, and I could not find it anywhere because I found it fascinating. Um, where the 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 male narrator is kind of saying, I think George and and Hippolyta are kind of picking space flowers or something yeah. off these different strands. Let me just say as well before I go into this, um, you know, as a huge Doctor Strange fan, mm-hmm. this was just like heaven as well. Um, <laughs> I, I think Hippolyta is my new. Doctor Strange. Um, oh, I loved uh, how she went through these different worlds, uh-huh. uh, dare I say it, dimensions. But, you know, th- this um, th- this narration um, that- that's being talked about whilst Hippolyta and George are picking uh, space daisies um, <laughs> is, you know, it's. It, I don't have the full text mm. because I just couldn't find it and I wasn't quick enough to write all of it down. But it says you're not real. If you were, you'd have some status in the rest of the world with the other nations. We're myths. I come to you not as the reality, but as the myth, because that's what black people are. Mm. Uh, a, a myth, I think he finishes with. Yeah. Like We did, we didn't have um, subtitles, so it was difficult to get it all, yeah. um, despite replaying that, that, that section. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, fellow Dreadfuls, if you know uh, where this excerpt comes from, that would be fascinating to find out. Because, I mean, I Googled the hell out of this. (laughs) I I literally put in to Google what I had written down. So maybe I hadn't got it down accurate but google was like came back and said you don't have enough information and i was like i've almost written out someone's excerpt from a speech but uh, it was probably too too much information but yeah i just could not find it at all as i say i'm guaranteeing Um, once the episode airs once it's on twitter there will be an entire wonderfully detailed document who this is but we're we're 
lucky enough to be able to see these episodes before it actually airs. So uh, I'm, as soon as we see it on Monday, I'll, I'll mark a note in our in our show notes for the episode. I'll pop it in. I found a lot of this stuff really fascinating. So really, good. it really made me want to find out uh, more about about some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought for Jews to Hippolyta, you know, in trying to find the truth about George's death, she learns the the greater truth about herself and, and what it really means to be free at so many different levels and yeah. I I kind of found that inspiring to be honest yeah, um, no, I agree I thought this was a great great episode um, with such a wonderful uh, character played by uh, a wonderful actor in Ingenue Ellis that yeah it was just so good. Yeah, just a wonderful story of Hippolyta right in the center of this episode. Another episode that focuses on one character getting the story. This is very similar to the book. Uh, Each chapter of the book is kind of a chapter from the perspective of one individual character. Kind of like I think Game of Thrones does that a lot. Yeah. Where it's an individual chapter that doesn't touch the other stories. Um, The chapters of the book are very similar to that. But this does have other stuff in it. But um, anything else on this particular moment? I I suppose the, yeah, I suppose the only thing of to note on this is that as i say we saw atticus come back not hippolyta now we don't know quite how time moves um whilst hippolyta and atticus are in these other worlds Mm -hmm. uh, what the difference in time is maybe atticus was very quick there but he certainly closed down the machine so whether hippolyta came through earlier mm-hmm. then she could be potentially trapped there but i suspect the being i am can open up another rift yeah uh, to get her back if that's um how she chooses it but it is just to say we haven't seen her come back through that's yet right. um, and right. despite it being more than likely that that's what will happen yeah yeah that's true uh she's still out there somewhere just before she comes the back the truth but, is out there yes exactly but i do think you're right i think that uh regardless of whether that portal is open or not this being will be able to transfer her back i wonder if she'll suddenly turn back up in chicago without the car um and everybody's (laughs) like how did you get back here (laughs) well i suppose Uh, the dangerous thing for her at the moment is that with captain lancaster's police officers arriving before they got pulled through that that rift mm -hmm. um you know both one of them got thrown through yeah uh, the other one was shot by hippolyta yeah um, and the gun handed to atticus and then and i'm sorry to question what was going on here but he threw a live police officer through that hole taking care of him genuinely throw the other guy through and then you're pretty safe well i was right? thinking that myself well, why didn't they jump the body? but with atticus returning yeah. you hear sirens mm-hmm. uh outside he's he legs it Taking the key and everything else. Runs. That's like yeah, it means. Yeah. yeah, he runs. And, um, but the thing is, is D's comic mm-hmm. is there in the pool of blood next to the police officer. Yep. So that there is something that, uh, Lancaster's cops can use to track Hippolyta exactly. down, at least the Freemans yes, to, uh, Southside Chicago. Just like any good artist, she signed her name. On her lovely comic book work. Yeah, absolutely. Her name is there in big, bold um, mm. letters. Uh, so, that was yeah. lovely as well, though, because there was a kind of a moment when early on, right at the start of the episode, actually, when Hippolyta was going on her journey and Dee's not happy with her going. And Hippolyta says, but Dad always had the checklist. George always had the checklist they went through and they all, all get a hug and then he gets his comic 
to send him off on his adventuring uh, around the country. And she thinks D has has turned away and walked away from, him, but actually D has written a little comic and stuck it in uh, in her mum's uh, her her. Uh, food parcel that she's yeah, traveling exactly. with effectively. So lovely little touch that there is still a relationship with them, even though Dee's not happy mom's gone off on her own. Definitely. But there was certainly some other elements mm-hmm. going on here as well. Yeah. Uh, definitely, yeah, that's mostly most of the stuff I want to talk about really is just the other stuff that surrounded uh, what was going on because I suppose after last week's episode being so focused on South Korea and having almost no connection um, to what was specifically happening in the main storyline, it was good to have all the other elements that were going on in the episode. It's almost half an hour before of, of the hour-long episode before Hippolyta takes that journey. Um, so there are other things that are going on in the episode. We have... Um, a lot of a lot of elements with Tick and Letty and Ruby. Um, we have Ruby effectively taking care of Dee, so Letty also goes over to kind of make it up with her sister after everything that happened. Yeah, with the house yeah. and, and um, the big argument they had about their mother leaving uh, money just to Letty, uh, to, and she got the house. Exactly. Yeah. That. So that was like episode four or, or three or four when the last time they saw each other. So they haven't seen each other for a few episodes. <laughs> well, a few days now, let's say. Um, so I wanted to just check a couple of questions here, really, as as this episode goes on. So we started out the episode with Ruby. So Ruby and Letty are making up throughout this episode. But we started out the episode with Ruby speaking with uh, Christina, yep. finding the bodies of William and Dell. So Dell was the white woman that Ruby was transforming into, yep. and William obviously being the man that uh, Christina was transferring into. So that was a theory that was that we didn't know about uh, that that they were keeping the dead bodies of these two people using their blood to make this potion and being able to transfer into them and tra- and, and becoming them for a few hours yeah. effectively. So slightly well very different from what th- what we thought was happening. But that's very interesting. So Dell is definitely the person that we saw at Arden Lodge back in episode 1, episode 2 I think it was, um who was being so cruel and and treating uh Letty and George and and tick so badly she's dead now and her body is being used for ruby effectively to yep. uh, move back and forth um ruby hearing all of this tells christina she wants to know absolutely everything that's going on and christina says to her i didn't lie to you she effectively is saying that she was in love with ruby she was treating her well the entire time wanted to see what ruby would experience living the life of a white person in the body of dell or hillary as she called herself um so that's a really interesting storyline. She started off by saying this is about the Book of Names, the the pages from the Book of Names, and it's about your family. So it sounds like she's told Ruby everything. So yeah. my question, and this is where it's getting to, <laughs> my question is, Ruby and Letty sort out their problems. We see Letty finding the orrery uh, that Hippolyta had stolen from their house or taken from their house. Ruby's looking into the room and sees that Letty's noticed this. She calls Atticus, tells Atticus, um, Hippolyta had the orrery all along. Yeah. And I'm wondering whether Ruby is spying on her sister at the request of Christina. Did Christina say to her, here's all the information you need to know. Here's my reasoning behind everything I wanted to do. She says to her, I'm doing it for getting the ability to do magic, not to prove anything to my father, not for any other reason. I want the abilities that having magic will give me the key one of the keys to that is this orrery when you find that tell me all the information about it so is ruby working alongside christina now that she understands the full details there's a high probability of that i, I suppose the question that will need to be answered uh, in in the next few episodes is 
when Ruby sees Letty on the phone to Atticus mm-hmm. to to warn him that Hippolyta had this orrery. Um, she's potentially figured it out and she might be in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, is that just by chance that Ruby has seen this? Yeah. Or is it she's purposefully spying on Letty um, at the request of Christine, a, a, mm-hmm. as you say? Um, because you, you see her eyes um, really uh, kind of go inquisitive when Christine says, and it involves your family. Yeah. Uh, because as well, the other side of this is that the, uh, Letty and um, Atticus tries to find out more about the Book of Names or its location because of this dream that Letty has right at the start where she sees herself, like we've seen Atticus previously, running through the burning lodge in Ardham County mm-hmm. uh, with Hannah um, running out the front door. Uh, in this this moment, Letty is pregnant and uh, Hannah is at, at the front door looking back has a book, she's holding a book, and suddenly there is this click that Hannah actually escaped the lodge yeah. back in the day with the Book of Names, mm-hmm. and that in some way this is still held by um, that side of the family, Atticus's mother's side. Yeah. Um, and so he travels to St. Louis to try and find out more uh, information from his auntie, there um and there there's a little moment where he spots a similar sort of thing on his skin as well like a, a um a, like a, a marking on his skin he sees that, a photograph of her yeah. and sees a marking on her skin and then checks his own skin which and, has a very similar yeah, marking exactly. on it yeah exactly so there's a lot connecting up here i don't know whether this was just my reading of it or not it looked almost like a brand that each of them had um now it could be like a tattoo or something like that that's passed down between them to show that they are connected. It could be a magical mark of some, of some, you know, I'm thinking of like a Harry Potter type thing where there's this mark that's, uh, that shows exactly who, uh, who Tick is, I suppose, uh, if anybody needs to know who he is to unlock this, this book. But I suppose what's interesting about that investigation is where it ends is that his mother and this friend of hers escaped from the attack on Tulsa in 1921. Um, they got away, but not everything, none of their belongings survived. Their belongings were burnt, uh, is what he's told anyway by, uh, by this lady who lived with his mother, um, his friend of, of the family effectively. So is that accurate? Is that, is she absolutely sure that the book didn't make it out or is she just saying we lost everything at the time? But maybe that one thing did survive. It's a magical book after all. You know, it survived fire before, you know, in, uh, in that, in that destruction of Ardham Lodge originally. Um, so perhaps, uh, the book is still out there. I yeah. hope it is because you wouldn't bring it in at all in the show if it isn't out there, right? So this is what Tick and Letty are going to do to kind of cut off Christina. Christina might be looking for a few pages, but we have a copy of the actual book is what they think is going to happen here. So, yeah. so that's, that's quite interesting. You already mentioned one of the questions I have from the episode. Um, we have Letty tasting some food of rubies. Oh, yeah. She gets a bad reaction to it. Um, because there's garlic in it, which instantly had me going, she's a vampire, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, is she this vampire yeah. that you you question whether she could turn into? Because she did actually die mm-hmm. and was brought back and to was life. brought back to life, yeah. exactly. So is she a vampire, um, possibly? Or much more logically, as her, uh, as her sister Ruby uh, t- talks about, is she pregnant and her taste buds are changing? Um, that's 
kind of more likely. But this in this show, yeah. <laughs> you're kind of going, is it supernatural? Is it absolutely natural? That yeah, yeah, after exactly. After having sex a few times with her new boyfriend that she's gotten pregnant, you know, <laughs> that's probably much more likely. But again, in this show, it could go either path. Um, and I'm, I'm not uh, going to lean either way until we know more information. <laughs> but you again mentioned the trip to St. Louis to to follow up on Tick's family. Um, and just another reference again, last week's episode was, was called Meet Me in Daegu, based on the uh, based on the song, based on the movie Meet Me in St. Louis. So this week they're going to St. Louis. So I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, but Tick, to get this information, goes to Montrose's house, goes to his flat, and finds out all about Montrose uh, this time. That new confident Montrose didn't last very long from last last time we saw him. In no, it really six, didn't. It, it felt time. like, oh my goodness, can't believe this just happened. But I mean, Sammy says it himself. You know, he's just made him a a cooked breakfast, and Montrose is just, you know, I don't eat pork. These grits are too runny. And as Sammy says, the coffee's going to be too wet next, yeah. you know. What is it that you're pushing me away again? So even before Asicus comes, um, it, the, the, you know, there's Montrose putting up this, this, this wall to Sammy yeah. be- because, um, it's the first time Sammy has, has stayed over at yeah. his. So on the face of it, this should all be a great positive step forward. Mm-hmm. And it ends up with Sammy just kind of going, you know, why are you doing this? Yeah. Ends up with Montrose sabotaging it, as yeah, would be exactly. expected from him. But I did th- I did think that third one where he says to him, oh, next, the coffee's going to be wet, going to be too wet. And Montrose says to him, no, there's too much sugar. And I thought that was going to end from with a smile from Montrose, where it's a bit playful that he's always complaining about everything. But actually, you're right. He is just trying to push him away. Um, we have that conversation between Sammy and, and Montrose where, where he says to him, while I was out at the shops, I complimented a, a, a lady there for, for the beautiful headscarf she had. And Montrose realizes that's the neighbor down the way and is suddenly concerned that his secret life will be exposed because he's had Sammy over and he's met one of the neighbors. Effectively. Yeah. So, so again, you know, you wouldn't expect Montrose to go through, uh, this coming out that he did in episode five and suddenly be absolutely fine with it. It's still massively dangerous in the fifties to be a gay yeah, man absolutely. in Chicago, certainly. Um, so you wouldn't have expected to go through that, but this pushing away of Sammy instantly and constantly complaining about everything he did felt, you know, it felt like, Hey, as we mentioned before, Montrose is still an ale, you know, it's, he's hasn't changed that much. He's just, he's just come out. That's all. And arguably as well, there is. Um, the moment where Atticus is an a-hole as well yeah. with um, him calling his dad a faggot. Now, whatever about, you know, the amount of emotions running through it, it's like he had that sense about it because he did say, oh, so the rumors are true. Yeah. You know, but he does ask, did mum, did mother know about it? And he says, yes. Now, I'm yeah. not entirely sure whether that's, the truth, but I suspect it is, yeah. and I, I, I think that could be um, absolutely the truth. It was just the way that scene played out. It felt like Montrose was paused for long enough where it was him thinking about whether he should answer yes or no. Yeah, it was. Uh, but I, I think ultimately he took the decision to say yes because that was the truth. Yeah. Um, but again, it exposes Montrose's um, secretive life which is understandable for that time and it also exposes the the fairly i don't know whether it's insurmountable but certainly a huge uh gap uh in the relationship between Atticus and his dad oh, yeah you know 
he talks to Letty afterwards, you know, and he's punched so many walls and uh, metal doors. I mean, I I do think Asgard has a significant anger issue. Um, And I I think that's part of the character. And I think it's really nicely played throughout the episodes. But, you know, where he goes, all that hitting me and beating me down so that I wouldn't become soft. You know, it Mm. was that it's Montrose hiding... um, pushing down the thing that he is and actually trying to be the kind of person that would be um homophobic um you know he's taking on that mantle of being homophobic himself to try and um suppress his feelings Mm -hmm. um and i I thought this was uh really just again just an amazing little nugget of a scene uh, i think yeah a brilliant performance in here but my god john i mentioned it to you after watching the episode that word uh, faggot is is just uh, it's a trigger word for me definitely it's one of those words that i absolutely remember being said with such venom to myself as a gay person to other gay people uh, over over the years of my life the word faggot the specific oh, yeah. intonation that's used and it's such venom behind the word i absolutely couldn't care less if you called me gay if you called me a fag even there's no problem but the actual way people say faggot has so much yeah. venom in it and atticus subscribes to that right here he hates his father in this moment for keeping this piece of information from him, for him not knowing this about this past of his father's because he has got a problem with him. And he certainly has a problem with his father beating him for years, saying that you can't be soft. Effectively, the piece of the of the puzzle that Atticus never understood was you can't be soft like me because yeah. my father beat that out of me the way I'm going to beat that out of you, Atticus, is basically the what we've learned from Montrose over the last few weeks. But that word is just, a, yeah, as I say, the 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 worst example of, of a word to, to use yeah. uh, in that situation. But it is an interesting moment. And again, you know, having that completely revealed to everybody, this open uh, relationship really between Sammy and Montrose, they, they know it instantly, Letty and, and uh, and tick there's no explanation no alternative uh given there uh when they arrive on the scene uh it is literally now we know what's going on unless he just goes has the conversation with montrose she needs to have and gets the information out of him and i love how journey smollett plays this moment when she's talking with atticus outside telling him i have the information because it is it's that moment like you know those moments when you've witnessed a family argument yeah. between one of your friends and their parents or something like that and she's kind of going, I know I shouldn't have been there for that. <laughs> it's like it's absolutely dripping yeah. off every word she says. It's like, maybe if I give you the information that we came here for, maybe we can just move along. And, um, and Tick as well, uh, is, is responding to her in the same way. Jonathan Majors has exactly the same kind of reaction in, in how he's talking back to her. It's like, I am full of rage right now, but it's not directed at you. So I'm going to hold it behind a wall and go, oh, where was it you said that was going to be? Oh, St. Louis, was it? <laughs> so uh, really well played by the two of them in there. But uh, but really interesting scenes. Um, I think that's it mostly for the overall, uh, everything that happened in the episode. Um, Atticus doesn't seem much closer to finding the book at the end of the episode. He's, uh, he's just returned back, as you mentioned a few times, returned back through this portal from another world, having had his own adventure, possibly. We could see that. In, in the next episode but interestingly he's returned with a book called Lovecraft Country by George Freeman uh, a tale of worlds within worlds within worlds is, is the tagline on it um, the way I, I kind of 
think about that book that's re- that he's returned with. George Freeman has been writing um, a handbook for travel for black Americans to get across safely across America. That's a nonfiction travel companion, effectively. It makes me feel like this version of George Freeman has written a fictional book called Lovecraft Country where horrible things happen in Lovecraft Country, which makes me feel that actually Atticus might have traveled to quite a nice different alternate world possibly yeah where george freeman is a novel writer is a fiction writer where these things don't happen in real life the things that he's writing about he has to write them in a fiction book so i don't know that was just my quick read on the uh the two second look at that cover uh but let's see it in the uh in the exciting adventures of atticus the time traveler or the space traveler in uh, maybe another episode yeah, absolutely. I am so looking forward to the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, my goodness, this is a great show. Such a um, great show. Full of fantasticness and yep. fabulousness. Um, yeah, cannot wait for episode eight. Definitely. Um, any notes from the episode? Anything we haven't mentioned, John, that you want to just mention before we go on? Yeah, just one. Um, you have Letty and Ruby who are babysitting Dee and her friends. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a little nod back, um, to, uh, episode three with the house party where we had the kids playing up in the attic mm-hmm. uh, but this time uh, Bobo is is missing uh, the the young boy uh, he's still not come back from holiday and of yeah. course at the time we got feedback pointing out that uh, the young kid in, in that scene was dressed in the same way as a very infamous uh, boy who went missing mm-hmm. went on holiday in Florida where uh, well, didn't go missing. He was lynched yep. because he was accused of looking at a white girl uh, whilst on holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there's just reference here where they say that he he's he's still not back. Well, they, yeah, they reference. I can't wait till he comes back because yeah. he's so good at this game. Exactly. And, and you know, again, after knowing that piece of information, it's kind of like, well, he's never coming. He's back. Never, he's never coming never, back. Exactly. Back. So uh, I thought that was uh, really, um, again, just this subtle touch mm-hmm. in there, which is is so meaningful um not only to the nod back to an earlier episode but yeah. just to that whole um horrendous thing that happened in real life absolutely absolutely i've only got one other note uh from the episode as well um I don't know whether you noticed this, John, in, the, in Paris, in the in the uh, scenes with Josephine Baker, um, there is a, a lady that stands up to make a speech, um, looking very similar to uh, painter uh, Frida Kahlo. Yeah. Um, they were known to have a relationship. Josephine Baker and Frida Kahlo had a relationship in the thirties. Uh, just, I think it was around the time that Frida um, broke up with her husband, uh, was divorced from her husband. Josephine Baker and Frida Kahlo were both actually known to be bisexual, having relationships with both men, men and women over the time. And both of them met during this time. Uh, I, I love the way this was described. Uh, both of them tops in their field and unwilling to change who they were for popularity, which I, I love that, that that's how it was described in the article I was reading about it. Uh, Frida Kahlo, a very, very famous painter, um, and Josephine Baker, a very famous dancer worldwide, both unwilling to change who they are. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great little touch. That's it for the notes, I think, for the episode. I'm sure there's a ton more. We really want to hear from you. If there's anything that we've missed out on, anything you want to talk about, just email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. John, overall, what do you think of this episode? I absolutely adored this episode. Um, I think it's one of the best uh, for me so far. I give this uh, five dancing girls out of five. <laughs> um, I just thought this was really phenomenal mm-hmm. storytelling. Um, and I... Loved Hippolyta here and 
her journey of discovery. Mm-hmm. It's you know you get a lot of journeys of discovery in TV shows and on movies, people yeah. learning something about themselves. Uh, but this really, um, I, I don't know, it, it it struck a chord with me. I think um, it, it really felt real. Ironically, even though it was set amongst multi-world mm-hmm. theory and multiverse theory and, um, and in <laughs> comics um it was just so well done and from writers the actors um the, the visuals all of it was great you know there's a little bit of little bit of fun uh in in paris there was the weirdness in in africa with mm-hmm. the confederate soldiers being there yep. there was the you know going inside the the, the their daughter's comic book the the poignancy with her husband george yeah. and and the realization of what it means to be her i am hippolyta uh-huh. what it means to be free and that she still realizes that you know all of these things are part of her including needing to to go back and look after d um and i, I thought that was just so 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 good yeah um, i think that's gonna make her a better mother as well like it feels like she's gonna be going back to d and will make sure that d is allowed to fulfill her dreams d is clearly a comic book artist clearly yeah. someone that wants to go into a really artistic field and it feels like by hippolyta going through this realization that she's missed out on anybody pushing for her to do what she wanted to do and by everybody crushing her into this smaller than version of herself it feels like she's now going to go back and be really supportive of whatever d wants to do with her future do you know what i mean that 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 kind of feels like that learning is well i may have missed out my chance but i have a really creative wonderful daughter that i can go back and support and let her live her life i just think that's a a little thing that may come from the episode definitely uh but yeah for me five dancing girls out of five what a fantastic uh, episode this was of lovecraft country yeah. um yeah but- absolutely yeah you know this is you know you've already stolen that this is uh <laughs> this is uh, the best episode so far and it seems like every week we're both saying that when we watch these episodes they're just so good completely unexpected when we go into the episodes as to what we're going to get uh, when you turn on the TV for your hour-long trip into Lovecraft Country. What exactly is it going to be this week? You know, it could be an episode entirely in Korean. It could be an episode in space and time travel. It could be an episode with Shoggoths chasing them down in, in the woods. Maybe it's an episode where somebody transfers into somebody else's body and lives life <laughs> like them for a day, yeah. you know? Something different every week. And there's only three more episodes left after this one. So really enjoying what they're giving to us on Lovecraft Country country let's get into our feedback we've got some feedback for episode six of lovecraft country first up donald dennis left his feedback over on facebook he says well that was interesting once again another entirely different feel for an episode my only ding against it this one felt like it was a bit short on the special effects where the budget constraints were kind of showing occasionally other than that i really love the story the pacing the weird tales ambience and the character development There were some serious revelations that I would have thought would have been a bit too much in the season opening graphic effects. That's interesting. Yeah, they change the graphics every episode. I think uh, the episode six ones had the tentacles coming out of Jaya in the actual uh, opening credits. Donald goes on to say, in in all, it gives me hope for what will happen when all of the elements are woven together by the end of the season, or at least I hope they will. When we first see Jaya lighting the candles in her room, she lights one 
and then the others light magically, right? How does this not freak out her victims? I mean, that's a lot of candles to light all at once. Yeah, no, I noticed that as well, actually. I don't think we called it out on the podcast um, last week, but you're absolutely right. She lights one and all of them magically come on at the same time. And and the guy who she's brought back um, sees it. It's not like he doesn't, and he's not freaked out by that. So... I, I was kind of just wondering whether in the end there were maybe some kind of gaslight that, <laughs> maybe. you know, looked like a candle or yeah. something like that. I wouldn't like that, that I meant but, gaslight uh, in, a, in a paper uh, house. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I would have been a little um, freaked out by, yeah. by seeing that, to be honest, as well. Or does he even notice it? Because he's there for one reason and one reason only, basically. So uh, maybe he just doesn't even notice yeah. that that's what's happened. Uh, I do like that, if you notice, the next time they're in the room and they're cleaning up the room, she is putting out each individual candle once at, one at a time so uh, so they do make reference to that as well but I, I wonder as well it was just a shorthand for um really just communicating that this situation all was not well for that man mm-hmm. um you know absolutely uh, donald also says if these people can afford to do that kind of cleaning and have that many candle candles but can't afford food you don't think they engage in cannibalism do you they don't portray that at all, but Jaya is possessed by a dark spirit and seems surprised by the fish taste in her birthday meal. How much of this is covered in the book, uh, Donald asks. Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago I actually stopped reading the book because it was so close to what was going on uh, in the book that I just didn't want to be spoiled. I wanted to see what the show had, and then I'll go back to the book after the season finishes and, and, uh, and just connect and see. But this does feel like something... Uh, separate from the show, but every episode feels like that when you're watching it. The book is taking things from each individual character's perspective so i would assume that this story is in there yeah i mean and certainly i know the what i looked up um, and was able to glean around the the legend of the kimiho spirit is that they do feed on the flesh Mm, of um of the the victims okay now it felt more like she exploded them uh, really in this but it could be that she is feeding on them and it depends what they need for sustenance. It could be that it's the memories ultimately that they're, they're feeding. But I, I know, um, the, it was the, the, the legend did talk about them devouring and consuming the flesh of right. their victims. Right. But it is um, the soul that she's taking. That's, that's what she has to get is nine, is a hundred souls to transfer back yeah, into exactly. GI. Yeah. Um, but, I think they did reference at the beginning they do eat rice. Uh, they cook the rice for the for the winter. I think is what uh, I think is what they're cooking at the beginning of the episode. So they do have uh, something to sustain them uh, throughout the winter. <laughs> yeah, and I, I suppose it's one of those things they can't afford food, but then they are also just candles. You know, yeah. I suppose these days we think of all these candles that cost us loads of money but of course um back in the day that was the only source of lighting pretty much other than the fire that they would have had or the stove Mm. um so it it would have been a different time just wax and string yeah it would have been a different time and they probably you probably could have gotten them um pretty pretty easily maybe but certainly i i know what you mean it was the cleaning bill i was uh worrying about Mm -hmm. um but that was the price to pay for uh, getting rid of the the father. Exactly. <laughs> thanks so much for your feedback, Donald. I'm yeah. glad you enjoyed the episode as well. Yeah, thanks so much, Donald, for the feedback. Uh, great to, to get your thoughts on that, uh, for sure. 
Our next piece of feedback comes from Natalie in Canada. She sent in feedback through our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, just click the link on the side. It's got SpeakPipe to leave up to 90 seconds of your thoughts. Take it away, Natalie. Hey, guys. This is Natalie. I'm from Canada, and I just wanted to talk about episode six of Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country and Meet Me in the Daigo. I mean, it was a great episode. I, I've been really enjoying um, all the HBO shows that have been showing the other more diverse perspectives of a lot of the uh, soldiers when they were going to um, all these different countries like Vietnam and Korea and and how that affected them. But the real thing that I wanted to bring up was a, a theory or a, a, something I noticed about the episode where um, the whole Count of Monte Cristo, and we obviously acknowledged already the whole she only watched the movie and she didn't really know the ending. And because they've been really focusing on that book, being Atticus's dad's favorite book, I think um, the fact that Jaya had that vision of Atticus's future and him dying, um, it might be a little callback to she's seen the the movie of Atticus's life, but it might not necessarily be uh, the the real like text and um, I don't know, just like a little foreshadowing to even though she thinks Atticus is going to die, he probably would not. Anyway, um, I've enjoyed the show and I can't hope. Can't wait to keep listening. Thank you so much, Natalie, for the feedback. Uh, really great to get your thoughts on. Um, I'm really liking your theory that uh, Jaya probably may have gotten a, a wrong interpretation of Atticus's um, memories just simply because mm. she hasn't seen the whole picture like with the movie that we saw in this episode, episode six. So, uh, yeah, really good. Yeah, that's really cool. Interesting ideas, Natalie. Great to hear voices, some more voices of our of our listeners. Great to hear uh, from you there, Natalie. Uh, I know you mentioned the, uh, some of the other shows on HBO that have been uh, looking at uh, alternative versions of Americans in uh, conflict areas. I think the one you were mentioning there was in HBO's Watchmen as well. They, they went to Vietnam and the impact that was had uh, by having one of the major characters play a big role in Vietnam. I don't want to spoil anything <laughs> for, for watching in case you haven't seen it, but, uh, but yeah, I love that they're taking these uh, trips to very different countries uh, in HBO shows. It seems like they they have so much budget. They're able to do big, uh, big moments in these shows. So uh, yeah, definitely this episode with, uh, with the time spent in Korea was so cool. Uh, thanks so much, Natalie. Um, it's really cool to get some feedback in through SpeakPipe as well. As I said, you can go over to the website at tvpodcastindustries.com and just click the button there, or you can send us an email with an mp3 of your thoughts just like our wonderful friend steve brown yeah absolutely thanks so much natalie uh, i'm really rooting for your theory here because mm -hmm. i think it it sounds pretty pretty sweet yeah thanks so much natalie on to steve brown's feedback hey john and derek it's steve i uh, just finished watching the latest episode of, of lovecraft uh, country meet me in uh, in daegu and uh, wow uh powerful episode uh we learn a lot of uh you know i mean we learn about atticus and what he did in the war we we learn about uh his uh, south korean uh love interest and uh, i wonder you know are, are they showing this us this because she's going to play deeper into the story or are they just trying to show us uh, this vision she had of him dying. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, and it, uh, uh, 
yeah, uh, just another one of those episodes that I feel like I've got to watch multiple times to really, really understand. So I really appreciate you guys, uh, podcast on it. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's bittersweet to me because it's great. It was a great story seeing it as part of the season and getting to know what happened to him and, uh, and that. But at the same time, we haven't really progressed, uh, forward. We, we, you know, we got to see a little bit of the abuse that he suffered at the hands of, of Montrose. But at, at the same time, we still don't know what's going on, uh, in the present five years later. So, uh, very, very interesting. Uh, I, it was, it was interesting from the perspective of I was stationed in, in Korea twice in my, uh, my Air Force career. Uh, I was there from 96 to 97 and then 2006 to 2007. So I, I got to see a little bit of, uh, you know, the 50 years later after, um, the war had ended. And, uh, I, I remember going to like a beach community and we spent a weekend there. And it was, it was interesting to meet some of the locals who were really very appreciative of what the Americans had done, um, getting them out of communist oppression or what could have been communist oppression. So, okay. Um, I've gone way over. So, uh, talk to you later. Always welcome to go way over, Steve. Thanks so much. Yeah, for absolutely. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like, you know, how will Jaya play uh, in in this series? Mm-hmm. Is is it just that nominal reference from Tick and then this episode, or will she play deeper into the story? Um, certainly, I think, you know, primarily it, it was seeing his future and what that entails, you know, and, and for the audience realizing that, okay, maybe Ascus won't get out of this, um, alive and well. Yeah. So that, that was, uh, really, um, I, I, it, but again, a great story, uh, and very powerful, uh, the episode. I also think, like you say, I love the going to South Korea. I love, like, for example, with this one, the, the, the move to, um, multiverses mm-hmm. uh, i love the museum one I, I wonder whether maybe the next few episodes will be centered a bit more around chicago with something happening in chicago maybe. Uh, just because um i i think or maybe it's just the last two episodes you know where it really just focuses on that story uh, so I, it'd be interesting to see, but at the moment I'm really liking the structure of it. Yeah, me too, me too. Um, because, you know, I suppose one of the things with Jaya is that we've heard about the character since the beginning of the series. Uh, and now we've seen, and we've also heard about what Korea did to um, Atticus. So now we've seen it. Now we've seen what happened to him there. The type of person he was there is different to the person that he was when he came home. And we've seen the experience that happened with Jaya. So I wonder whether this episode was just an explanation of who that character was that he's been talking about so often and what effect it had on him uh, as a person as well. So whether, so I don't know whether we'll see uh, Jaya in future. Uh, thanks for sharing with us your experience uh, in the Air Force, Steve, as well. That's, uh, that's really interesting that you're over in Korea. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, th- yeah. Thanks so much, Steve, for the feedback. And, and as always, thank you so much for the feedback. It's great to, to get your voicemails in for every episode, Steve. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And also to our fellow Dread you can send in your thoughts comments or discussions on anything to do with lovecraft country mm-hmm. you've got feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com just send in an email there or like steve you can send a mp3 attachment through or you can go to uh, tvpodcastindustries.com onto the website and there is a right hand 
uh, tab there that you can click on and leave up to 90 seconds of your thoughts. Uh, as well, we also put up spoiler posts on fa- our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you so much for joining us for Lovecraft Country. We'll be back again in Lovecraft Country next week with uh, Lovecraft Country Season 1, Episode 8. Um, we are also covering The Boys. It is a very different show from Lovecraft Country. If you want to get uh, all of our coverage of those episodes that come out on uh, Friday mornings uh, each week, you can also subscribe to us on tvpodcastindustries.com, get access to all of those episodes. Or there is a Boys from TV Podcast Industries feed for just The Boys episodes as well. If you fancy filling up your podcast feed with uh, Lovecraft Country and The Boys and all the TV Podcast Industries episodes, we have feeds for everything we do. Thank you so much. We will talk to you next time. Looking forward to getting back to Lovecraft Country. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you stay subscribed to the podcast, but please share uh, it with your friends. Sharing the podcast is, of course, sharing the love. And yes, fellow Dreadfuls, thank you for uh, coming on board uh, for another spoiler-filled discussion from myself and Derek. Uh, It's really uh, appreciated to have you on board Mm -hmm. with the Dreadful Podcast. Uh, Yes, remember, though, in this time of timey-wimey travel, keep watching, keep listening, and fellow Dreadfuls, keep discovering. Yes, go on your own journey of discovery. Exactly. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.